The QuackCast, Revenant Edition. This is number 226, and it's called Madonna? Something in the way endorphins won't let me be. I don't want to be your patient, so naloxone, won't you set me free? Stop playing with my heart. Finish what you start. When you make my blood pressure come down, if you want me, let me know. Baby, let it show. Naloxone, don't you fool around. Just try to understand. I've given all I can because you got the best of me. Borderline. Feels like I'm losing my blood pressure. You just keep pushing my blood pressure over the borderline. Borderline. Feels like I'm going to lose my blood pressure. You just keep pushing my blood pressure over the borderline. From the song Borderline. Not really. By Madonna. I wrote the first draft of this podcast on the 8th of July for a July 18th publication date. Information since then may have evolved, and everything you're about to hear is a crock. But as the French manga might say, Sailor V. My wife and I are at the stage in life where we read feed headlines to each other in the morning over coffee. My parents would read newspaper headlines to us, but newspapers are not what they once were. Madonna got naloxone, she said, pulled her back from the dead. Say what? Madonna is not in my feeds. I was surprised to find she was newsworthy, but I am far removed from popular culture. However, along with Purple Rain and Shebop, the song was the soundtrack of the courtship of my wife. Somehow, Madonna got old. She is 64, less than a year away from Medicare, and just a year younger than me. Everybody is getting old. We saw Neil Young last week, and... He is 77. It is a popular pastime in infectious diseases to speculate on the illnesses of the rich and famous. Did Lincoln have aortic insufficiency from syphilis, or was it just Marfan's? Did Alexander the Great die of an amoebic liver abscess rupture? So in that tradition, I'm going to yammer on a bit about Madonna. The details of her illness are, of course, vague. As is always the case on the interwebs, somehow the information I want, like the name of the infecting bacteria, are never mentioned. So an elderly woman is found down, lifeless, is revived, is found to have a, quote, severe bacterial infection, unquote, spends a few days in the ICU and is soon home to recover. Well, this is a very common clinical scenario. And common things being common, I would bet on E. coli urosepsis. A bladder infection gone bananas. Infections with an easily controlled source get better very fast. And really, nothing gets better as quickly as urosepsis. Modern ICU care snatches people back from the brink of septic death every day. Mimi Madonna had some other bacteria or infection, but there's a lack of clinical information for further pointless speculation. Hopefully, we will never know. But the damage has been done. Google News knows that I have clicked on Madonna. My feeds are doomed. It is the use of naloxone, brand name Narcan, that got my attention. Today, naloxone is primarily used to reverse the effects of narcotic overdose. It is an opiate antagonist and binds to opiate receptors to reverse the effects of opiates such as heroin. It doesn't last long. It has a 30 to 60 minute half-life. And I have seen patients revive and lapse back into methadone, which has an 8 to 59 hour half-life coma over the course of a couple of hours. 
I wonder how often those who get a dose in the community for fentanyl, which has a half-life of three to seven hours, and refuse further care, wander off to die a few hours later. So why was naloxone given to Madonna? Again, the reports are not clear. I assume she was found down and they gave her a snort, naloxone comes as a nasal spray, just in case it was an opiate overdose. The emergency tech would have no way of knowing if it was an overdose or not, so better safe than sorry. Evidently, the naloxone was the wonder drug that worked wonders and brought her back from the borders of Tartarus. It also brought back memories. Watching Borderline on MTV with my then-girlfriend, now-wife. The ice collecting on the windows during call nights at Hennepin County Hospital, where I met my wife-to-be. True story of our first meeting. I was post-call trying and failing to put in a central line in a demented patient, so I called for help from a nurse. As the nurse entered the room, I hit the subclavian, passed the catheter, and could now go home to sleep. I turned to the nurse, who I had never seen before, and said, thanks, you brought me good luck. Will you marry me? The rest is history. I digress, as usual. But I do remember giving naloxone for sepsis. Back in the day, there was a brief flurry of interest in giving naloxone as it improved blood pressure in sepsis. When you are dying of sepsis, the body releases endogenous morphine, aka endorphins, that help perpetuate low blood pressure. I figure it is nature's way of letting you die comfortably. Naloxone blocks endorphins. If you search the PubMeds for naloxone and sepsis, you will find a series of articles in the 1980s showing transient benefit from naloxone for raising blood pressure and sepsis. And I suppose making your death from sepsis more unpleasant. Waking up to your unexpected impending demise might transiently raise your blood pressure. Panic does that. Naloxone had salubrious effects on a variety of parameters that I spent much of my internship in the ICU measuring. I don't think I've seen a Swan-Gans catheter in the ICU for decades, but, quote, there was a moderate and non-significant increase in cardiac index, pulmonary capillary wedge pressure, and systemic vascular resistance. The use of naloxone in people was based on animal studies and case reports, and we all gave our septic patients continuous infusions of naloxone. I can't remember if it helped or not. The use of naloxone went nowhere, however, as although it improved blood pressure, it did not change the outcome. Patients still died at the same rates. There were two placebo-controlled studies that were a stake in the heart of naloxone used for sepsis. Quote, survival rates in the two groups after the start of treatment were similar. Naloxone intravenously was no better than placebo in ameliorating hypotension in septic shock. And, quote, survival rate was 100% in those who responded to naloxone clinically. However, overall survival rate in each group was essentially the same. We conclude that naloxone infusion is clinically efficacious in improving hemodynamic profile of a subgroup of patients with early severe hyperdynamic septic shock, but does not appear to improve the overall survival rate. Although as house staff, we were somewhat cynical in saying that it was our job to make sure patients died with normal numbers. Of course, no therapy ever truly dies in medicine. Someone always reinvents the wheel. And in 2010, Namafine, if I pronounce that right, N-A-L-M-E-F-E-N-E, an opiate antagonist was used in sepsis with the same results. Quote, 
based on the conventional anti-shock therapy. Early use can improve hemodynamics, which is conducive to ameliorate septic shock. However, there's no significant effect on 28-day mortality. So, is there some doc in New York City who still believes in naloxone for sepsis? The lifestyles of the rich and famous often include more medical care than us regular folks receive. Although, remember, more is not necessarily better. I don't think so. Naloxone for sepsis may be passe, but I do not doubt Madonna got a blood pressure boost from naloxone for transient benefit. But in the end, it was the ICU that saved her. And that ends the QuackCast, number 226, the Revenant edition. References are available over at Science Based Medicine from the July 18th, 2023 article entitled Madonna? Talk to you next time. Bye.